Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Devil Wears Rossonero, the official podcast of SB Nation's AC Milan Offside. I'm Patrick Stoll alongside Tim Fontenot at Stoll underscore P and at SBN Rossonero is where you can get a hold of us because Tim is no longer on Twitter. And we are joined by a very special guest, one of the AC Milan Offside's wonderful staff writers, Peter Coyley, joins us. Uh, we're going to talk some Serie A preview. That's what we do. It is that time of season. We're going to look top to bottom. We are going to give you our top seven. So top six plus one, as we've been calling it. See who misses out on Europe, who gets in Europe, who wins the league, who goes back to Champions League, and who goes into Europa League, even if they then forfeit their place in the Europa League for the following season due to financial fair play. But we also give you our top score for this season and some details on all the teams in the league. So we've been looking forward to this. We're really excited for the season to start. And what better time to bring in my man, Tim. How are you, buddy? Man, I'm great. The closer we get to the season, the better. And this is a historic day on this podcast because Peter, as you mentioned, is here and he is the first ever guest. So welcome, Peter. Oh, it's an honor to be here, boys. Thanks for having me. Well, it's our pleasure to have you. And of course, you can see all of Peter's work at SBN Rossonero, at the AC Milan Offside, and of course, his own Twitter handle, at Ball, which definitely wins one of the most creative and um, lucky-to-lock-down Twitter handles that I've seen, at least on the staff, because mine is just, mine is just my name. Tim's was just his name. Uh, before he deactivated. So I, I dig that yours is something that we will be talking about literally all season. So I'm I'm a big fan of that, and I cannot imagine how no one claimed that first. Um, guys, real quick before we get started. So it's funny. Last week was our first podcast in a while, right? And, you know, it happens. We're happy to be back. We're happy to be previewing the season. And Tim, you're right. The closer we get, the better. Um, even though it, I am ready to be heartbroken again. Um, so, you know, we're back in town. Boys are back and everything. And I said, if you have any hate that you were going to send to Tim, you can send to me at stole underscore P. Um, I didn't get any hate, but we did get two comments on our podcast episode, episode 15, on SoundCloud and iTunes and a device near you. Um, we got two comments, and I wanted to read these out because I thought it was very funny. Uh, Yassine says, come on, guys, you all, so U-A-L-L, all one word, uh, can give us at least one episode a month. Um, and then Emin says, do it every week, please. And uh, both of them made these comments because SoundCloud has little time markers. Um, markers at 23 seconds and 2 minutes and 58 seconds. So we are so good, Tim, <laughs> that we have people asking us to do more of these at least once a month and then the other every week within three minutes of the podcast. So that is really high expectations and I dig it. I, I love it. I think that says a lot that says a lot about us. And you know, I think we gotta give the people what they want. We were we were all about doing this every week. Um, you know, we got into that rhythm where we were doing it at least once a month, but man, life got in the way, but I think you and I are both in pretty settled positions now where we've really 
as the season has gotten closer, much like Milan's getting ready to go for top four, we've been really committed to making sure this is a weekly thing. Yeah, so uh, just let the people know we do hear you. And let the people know we will, we we are men of the people, so we will give the people what they ask. And, I mean, it says something about our listener base that they're so loyal and they come back. So, of course, we always appreciate it. We love it. them dearly. We do love them dearly. So, without further ado, now that I've gotten that out of the way, I, I laughed. I wanted to read those out. Uh, shout out to our listeners. I appreciate it. Let's get started. Serie A preview. A uh, lot going on over the summer. Just a lot of moves. A lot of hype. And on the other side, you can also argue, uh, coming off the Ronaldo summer last summer, right, that now it's kind of like, uh, well, back to normal. Of course, we at the AC Milan offside would tend to disagree. Uh, So let's start with, we're going to go top down, we're going to get right into it. Number one, champion. And there's a reason we are starting with this, and it's because I think, I think we might all have the same idea. So Peter, as the first guest we've ever had on the podcast uh, and a frequent handler of the site Twitter account, um, can you give us who you think is going to win Syria? I got to give it to Juve. Uh, and that's mainly because I don't see anyone taking as many steps as they need to get to the level Juve is currently at, especially with the additions Juve has made. Um, Ramsey and Rabiot have the potential to be world-class in the midfield for them, at least in Italy, like compared to what we have there. Um, and don't get me wrong, that's not to say anything bad about the other teams. They're, you know, We have some very quality teams here. But I think that's like a very star-studded midfield uh, that's already made a staple in another league. They, and they have, you know, they have Ronaldo around them. They're inside the system. And if anybody can make that team play beautiful football and also destroy Italy... From the inside out, it's gonna be it's gonna be Mauricio. Sorry, I'll I'll tell you my take in a minute, but I think it's pretty well said that there are there there was such a gap between everyone else and Juventus last season that it's really hard to make the case. And I would love for someone to try at SBN underscore Rossonero at Stall underscore P at Jump Ball. If you think that that someone did catch up, because it's really hard. Napoli came in second. Inter came in fourth because Atalanta came in third. All right. If you can tell me that any of the top four, the rest of the top four, caught up to Juve, please let me know and why. Um, there are, of course, we'll get to all of our other teams in a minute. But Tim, I want to throw to you. Who you got when Syria? Yeah, it's Juventus. I mean, there's really no, there's no other team. I mean, people can try. We even had one of our own writers try, I believe, to say that someone other than Juventus, but we'll get to that. Like, like Peter said, they brought in Ramsey and Rabio, absolutely outstanding signings, especially in that midfield that, that provides them even more depth than they already have. And clearly the goal for them is to win the Champions League. It's this year or you got to say it's never like they are going to go all out, but they are still going to be deep enough. They're still going to be talented enough to be head and shoulders above the rest of Syria. They're just, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll have plenty of space in between big matches against Napoli, against Inter, against Milan, against the teams that they need to beat to get that gap that they've had for the last few years. They won't have a problem taking care of that. They'll probably sacrifice Coppa Italia like last year. You know, that, that is what it is. 
look, the big signing beside those two is Matias Dillett. I mean, they came out of nowhere to get him. And everyone thought it was a foregone conclusion. He's going to Barcelona or he's going to PSG. Then you had all the other big clubs in there, as you would expect, all the teams in England. And all of a sudden, where it seemed a foregone conclusion. He was going to PSG, which would have been such a great fit. And then it's like, oh, no, he's actually going to go to Juventus. And it just, like, snap of a finger, he was there. Uh, adding him to Chiellini and Benucci, the, he's the heir apparent there, and he's going to be an instant impact player. Um, what an absolutely incredible signing that gives Syria two of probably the three, two out of the three or four best center backs in the world, I think, with Koulibaly. Um, they didn't really, all they did was get better um, because we're not even talking about Pellegrini coming in who provides even more depth at fullback. Um, the only player they lost was Zhao Cancelo. And I still think that was a really weird move for Juventus to make to let him go to Manchester City. And obviously Danilo comes the other way and becomes instantly a top right back in Serie A. But I don't know. They were they traded away a really talented player at a young age. And that just that seemed weird to me. But I still think Ronaldo's decline is another year off. I think Sarri is going to get that Serie A title. He really deserves. Um, well, it, it's I've spent too much time talking about a very obvious choice. And it's Juventus. Yeah, I, I I hate to I hate to say it. Um, it's it's going to be Juventus. Um, now I I would like to take the chance to because I've heard the whole like one team league thing, and as fans of the league, I think we can all kind of disagree with that. However, the dominance of Juventus is completely undeniable. Uh, I agree with both of you. They only got better. They were so many steps ahead of everyone else. They're playing chess. Everyone else is playing checkers. Uh, these free transfers of Aaron Ramsey and Adrian Rabiot cannot keep happening. I don't understand why the entire footballing world is just completely okay with just helping Juventus. And there were reports out today um, that they are potentially looking to do the same with Christian Eriksen, of all players. And if they sign him for free, <laughs> I just don't know what... Like, I, I don't know how we keep doing this. So, because they did... That's the most Juve signing. Yeah, exactly. It would make so much sense. But Pirlo, Pogba, Rabio, Ramsey, Chan, um, Buffon is back. You know, those are all free transfers. Zero dollars. It's shocking to me. Moving on to the transfers that they actually did have to buy from someone else. Matthias Delict, huge. Absolutely huge. The kid is a leader already. Have you seen how he acted and behaved? Well, behaved is the wrong word. How he held himself at Ajax and how he led that team. Like, he really, really grabbed that team by the scruff of the neck and brought them to where they were last season. He is one of the big reasons that team had that much success. And the fact that they are able to say, hmm, Benucci, you haven't been that great. And uh, so we're going to get the, as you said, Tim, one of the top three young center backs in the world, if not the, right? We're just going to bring him in and uh, yeah, you can figure it out, right? Matthias Select is going to be great. I, the loss of Jao Cancelo confuses me. It still, it, it still baffles me that they were okay with doing that. Now... 
Yes, they have Pellegrini. And, but he plays on the left, and then there's Alexandro, and, the, and they got Danilo, but, I mean, Danilo is a downgrade. 100%. Alexandro took a little bit of a step back last year. So did Pjanic. You know, you can see that Juve weren't clicking on all cylinders last year. And yes, all their eggs are in the Champions League basket, but I still think they are so far ahead of everyone else. Unfortunately, it's Juventus. Um, and I, I hate to agree um, about Juventus, um, but it's, it's just such an obvious choice. I, I don't think, and I, there's another team that I know has made some waves, and we'll get to them in just a second, I think. Um, but it's, it's just so... It, there, there's too much to catch up. So I want to read a couple picks from the staff. Uh, the staff at the AC Milan offside has sent in some of their picks, uh, and I want to read out a couple of their picks for the winner. Uh, so I have Juve. Peter, Juve. Tim, Juve. Uh, our man Douglas Ramsey, Juve. Robbie DiLorenzo, Juve. Andy Velosky, Juve. Uh, who else we got here? Alex, another uh, main proponent of the SBN underscore Rossonero Twitter account. Juve. Our site manager, Pete. Juve. So, kind of kind of repetitive, repetitive, but um, our man, Wyland Dick, uh, one, of, one of the new staff writers. At King Wyland. At, at King Wyland on Twitter. Um, so you can direct your hate to him, um, picked Inter. No, God! To win Syria. No, God, please, no! No! I think it's a really, really, like, I appreciate coming out of the gate with a take. Um, as, you know, <laughs> we listen to radio, we work in radio, we know the art of the take. But wow, I can't, I just... And he said his his comment actually, and this was funny. Uh, this was in our group chat. Don't at me. I just think Inter has improved considerably. Juve have taken a step back and may be more focused on the Champions League. I think this may be the year Juve's dominance ends. And um, I'm gonna pitch it to you first, Peter. And it, this is not the roast <laughs> of our friend Wyland, right? We're not we're not trying to dish on him. We we get it, um, and honestly, I'm I'm a fan of the different pick. And again, I I appreciate the take. I would say why Juve over Inter for you, Peter. I'll I'll preface this by saying that I do believe that the next team to win the Scudetto that is not Juve is Inter, and I do think it happens next year, the year after. I don't think it's this year, mainly because, and don't get me wrong, Antonio Conte went to Chelsea and won his, won his, won his Premier League title the first year there. Second year didn't go as planned. But he, uh, I don't think the Serie A is a league you can crack just like that. It's a lot more tactically insightful. Uh, and while he is a great tactical manager, I think to fully implement his ideas, it's going to take at least two years. Um, I feel like the second year in the a coach for the Serie A is always the 
the make it or break it year. Um, and I think that his team will be very, very good, which really hurts me to say. Uh, but I think it's going to take another year just for him to get all the players he needs, uh, for him to get all of his, uh, his system implemented. Uh, I just I don't see it happening this year. But I don't think he's fallen off with his pick. Look, I, I really appreciate him going out on a limb like that. I personally would never want to pick Inter to win the league because I think that's just a principled stance to take. Relatable. But I'm fully I'm fully in the camp with Peter. I think that Inter are going to get the Scudetto back next year or the year after. It's coming. Juventus aren't going to be able... I don't, I don't think they get to 10. I don't think they get to 10 in a row. I think they get this one... Um, it's, you know, they're, they're going to regress because these guys that are, you know, they're bringing in Delict, which is great. They're bringing in Rabia, but everyone else is getting older. They're in the, they're in the sunsets of their career and it's now or never on the champions league. And I get where he's coming from with picking Inter this year, because they're going to be so invested. The farther they go into the champions league, it's going to be harder for them to keep it up in Syria because there's going to be such angst around Turin and such desire to focus on winning that trophy that has eluded them for years. And, you know, maybe they do end up slipping up. Maybe they do end up, you know, having to rotate to a point where they just, you know, they fall off in a couple of big games. And it seems unlikely, though, this year. And I, I'm going to keep stressing the words this year because Inter... For me, as much as Juventus did really well this summer, Inter were the winners of the transfer window in Italy. And bringing in Antonio Conte is a massive hire. Um, I I see them getting back to the top under Conte, and it's very, very soon. But I think it's just we gotta we have to endure another year of Juventus before we have to endure the even worse scenario of Inter winning the title. Yeah, I I agree, and I will preface this by saying any amount of time that we have to wait for Inter to win another title is not long enough. Um, I will fully accept the Interista hate uh, on Twitter, at Stoll underscore P. I have experienced y'all's wrath before, Go ahead. It's fine. I am handy with a mute button. Um, <laughs> look, I agree with you guys. I think you guys hit the nail on the head. Um, not this year, but either next year or the year after, I think Enter's going to win it. I think Antonio Conte was a magnificent hire. I think he was the perfect, That that is an A-plus manager hire for Inter, and frankly would be for any of the places in Italy. If if Juve had gotten Antonio Conte, I would have said, oh Jesus, here we go again, right? I think they've made magnificent business. I think they've done a good job just refreshing their team. And, you know, Ivan Perisic leaving is the perfect example of that. Now, I don't know how Antonio Candreva is still there. I have no idea. Speaking of things I have no idea about, right? I have no clue. Because I would take Perisic, even though he had a bad year last year, I would take him over Antonio Candreva every day of the week and twice on Sunday 
with no exceptions because Kendreva is a donkey and that <laughs> dude is finished, right? Absolutely. Now Perisic, now Perisic is on his way to Bayern. So, I mean, that kind of says something about him that after a down year, he gets a loan move to Bayern. But it's pretty, yeah, it's a deal and a half. You get to leave Inter and you get to go to Bayern. That's the ultimate win-win-win move, I think, because oh, Inter get rid of him. Bayern needed him with Ribery and Robin out, and they didn't end up getting Sané. And Perisic needed a new... He needed a new change of scenery, and obviously Bundesliga has been very kind to him in the past. Yeah, so... A little less toxic locker room. Yeah, true. He And he doesn't have to do with Mauro Riccardi anymore. <laughs> uh, although Inter might not have to either if they can get him off their books. So... Anyway, I mean, that's my take on Inter in terms of them future winning the Scudetto. I agree with you guys. I think it's it's pretty straightforward. And I wish Napoli had been that team uh, two years ago. Uh, you know, that like best second finisher ever thing, um, which I said on this podcast that that was basically the, I mean, that was the shot and they took it and they did it their best chance and... They didn't reach it, and what they got was, congratulations, you're the best team to ever finish second in a league, and then Liverpool broke it last season. So, <laughs> um, moving moving on to second place, um, and, and thank you to our staff. We'll, we'll get more from them as the podcast rolls on and as we preview the rest. Uh, I want to get to number two. Um, Tim, I'm going to start with you here. Who do you have at number two? In Serie A this season. I, I have a guess. Yeah. But. This is where I have Inter. Um, this is where I had them last year. But I really mean it this time. Um, they. Everything we just talked about. They. They are very close to. Being able to contend for that title. And if I could just go back real quick. To talking about losing Perisic. And Kondreva still there. I think next year. They end up winning that race against Juventus. For Chiesa. And then we all just need to say our prayers. Um, look, bringing in Conte, like you said, A-plus higher. The additions they made, the permanent moves for Politano, Romelu Lukaku, getting Godin on a free, a la Nemanja Vidic, and then bringing in Sensi and Barella, one of the most sought-after midfielders in Italy on loan, is just brilliant from, from Inter. This team is going to be, I hate to say it, really fun to watch this year. Um, what they've done in terms of getting rid of players has been addition by subtraction. You loan Nyingalan to Calgary, you get Perisic on his way to Bayern, and now you're probably going to end up without Mauro Riccardi. And even if you don't sell him, he's not going to be anywhere near that locker room most likely. So all around just a really good summer for Inter. And obviously if they can end up selling Riccardi, getting more money, they're going to be in an even better position. And I know Napoli is the popular second place choice because that is what Napoli have been for years now. But I just feel like Inter have made that jump over them and can definitively stake their claim this season. Yeah, I, I, I'll just piggyback off you real quick before uh, we throw it to Peter. I, I agree. I also have Inter second. I think it's going to be closer than last season. Um, I think they miss out maybe six, seven points or so um the Lukaku edition only makes sense Conte's wanted him for years 
uh, Politano essentially in place of Kandreva on that side of the wing is, like you said, it's addition by subtraction. Politano is fantastic. Barella is just a shockingly good addition to the team. And Sensi continues to just punish AC Milan for not signing him four years ago. Um, I wanted him when he was leaving Shizena. Um, and now he's time for Inter. And he's going to start for them. Uh, I don't think that... I'm not sure um, if you think of their central midfield, like their midfield three last year as opposed to this year. You can debate that plenty as to which one is better. Um, I don't think they're title winners this year. I think they are the best of the rest. And I agree with you. I know Napoli is a popular second pick. And I don't think they're going to be that far behind. But I do not have Napoli second. I have Inter second in one of the worst case scenarios for AC Milan, which is Juve Wengelik, Inter second. Peter, how about you, bud? Yes, I'm beginning to think that we're all going to have the same top three because I also have Inter second. Uh, like I've said, they've made leaps and bounds. Um, I actually thought that Barella was going to make me the most upset. But if you've watched Sensi in the preseason, it's really disheartening. Oh, you look so it's, good. It's really upsetting to watch. Outstanding. Um, and then, you know, they got Lukaku, which is a very Conte signing. So they're also following the Milan strategy, or really it's a strategy for any sensible team, to buy players that fit your manager's system. But they're also buying, you know, upscale ones that we might not be able to get, given that we can't offer any European football. I mean, Lukaku, granted, it was a friendly against not a not a well-known team, but he bagged four goals on a debut, and I just don't really want to deal with that, and I'm really afraid that he's going to do a lot better than other people are giving him credit for. Yeah, I, I think now outside of his first touch, I think Lukaku's a brilliant addition. Um, I think uh, the first touch gets you a bit of a discount, as does the injury history. Um, I think that is a concern, um, but Inter got younger, they got fresher, they got better. I think that's pretty straightforward. Some shouts from our boys at the AC Milan offside. Um, Douglas has Napoli, Robbie, Napoli, Andy, Napoli. Wyland has Juve, uh, so he has Inter-Juve in the worst-case scenario for an AC Milan fan. No! Um, and our man Pete also has Napoli, and Alex has Inter. So um, I'll I'll just go ahead and give my third. I think it's I think it's pretty obvious based on what I said before. It's it's going to be Napoli. Um, they are they. They might not have been the biggest players in the offseason, right? I am, you know, here we are. We're still waiting for James Rodriguez to go to Napoli, right? I th- I think it will eventually happen. Um, and again, I really wish that Napoli had actually won that title um, two years ago because then we wouldn't have to deal with Juventus. But I digress. Uh, Ancelotti speaks for himself. He's brilliant. He is... He was the second best manager in the league last season, and he might end up being the third best this season behind Sari and Conte, uh, dominating a uh, top three of 
fire Chelsea managers, which is weird. Um, additions, you have Manolas from Roma. Um, good addition. Really, really strong. Alex Moret, um, if, if he can stay uninjured, um, you know, super good. Um, uh, Giovanni Di Lorenzo from Empoli. And then you have Ospina, um, and then that—that's—I mean—that's pretty much it in terms of Napoli's additions. And then their subtractions: Diawara is out the door. Um, Carlos Vinicius leaves for Benfica, and Raúl Abiol leaves for Villarreal. Um, otherwise, I, I mean, it's basically the same team. I—I I don't see. They didn't get that much better. I think the Manolas Koulibaly pairing is very intimidating, frankly. Um, not that Manolas is the best in the league or anything like that, but I think that is that's pretty hard to get past. Their attack will remain uh, dynamic and intimidating and just very, very strong, especially if they add James. Um, I think they finish a couple points back of Inter. I have Napoli in third. Peter, how about you? Yeah, uh, I also have Napoli third. Um, and I think it goes without saying that Napoli has had... They've had a good transfer window, no doubt, in terms of very under-the-radar moves. But their big-picture moves have all been foiled by other teams. Um, or, in the case of James, by imaging rights, which is a new one for me. I haven't heard of that one before. Yeah, that's the Paulo Dybala foil. It's a popular one this summer, I think. It is. It's, and it's, it's, I mean, I guess it's a new thing. Um, but I still think Ancelotti's brilliant. Uh, I still think he has plenty he can work with. Um, I think they'll bring in Irving Lozano. Uh, and I think he'll do a number. Pace gets you pretty far in this league, uh, unfortunately. It's, you know, Mohamed Salah, Felipe Anderson were all able to do devastating things with that blistering pace they have. Um so I, I really think that, you know, adding him, maybe adding another big top name, which I expect them to do, plus the, additions of, or the addition of Costas Manolas, uh, I think that's going to keep him firmly ahead of third. I think them, Inter, and Juve are a whole class ahead of everybody behind them. It's like, a, it's like, a, it's like their own tier. Like, there's the tier one teams in Serie A, and I think we're going to go down uh, the list after this and get into those tier two teams as well. Yeah, I completely agree with that tier comment right there at the end, Peter. I think I, I also have Napoli in third. Um, look, if if they add James Rodriguez and Herving Lozano, I think that they still end up finishing behind Inter. But what I thought would end up being like three or four points, closest to one or two points, maybe goal difference, um, that, that'll be a solid team if they, if they bring them in. But I don't know. There's something about Napoli that just the way Inter loaded up and the way they've just been kind of stuck in place the last few years, it they'll probably just fall to third. But again, they, you know, they had a 10 point gap on, on third place last year. I think they end up having a 10 or eight point gap on fourth, fifth, sixth this season. I think they're still a class above. Um, it's going to take a while for anyone behind them to really catch up to that. So, yeah, I think everything you guys just said in terms of uh, what we can expect from Napoli this year, I think they're going to be comfortably inside that top three. Very good chance of finishing second, but third is a a safe pick for them. Yeah, and our guys um, 
at the AC Milan offside. Let's throw a couple of their picks out. Um, the results will, of course, shock and amaze you. Um, Inter from Douglas, Inter from Robbie, Inter from Andy, uh, Napoli from Wylan, uh, and then Alex has our very own AC Milan finishing in third. My boy, Alex, here we go. This is what, this is what I'm here for. Someone had to be that guy. Someone has to have some optimism on our staff. Um, and then Pete, um, with an even bolder take, which again, I can appreciate the art of the take. Um, Atalanta, third. <laughs> Inject that straight into my veins. Straight Let me see in. that happen. I think we can all agree, I, as we were saying pre-record, if that happened, as long as it didn't affect Milan, give it to me. Oh, absolutely. I will take... I'd love to see Atalanta in the Champions League as long as it doesn't come at the expense of AC Milan like it did last season. Too soon. Can we can we be, can we can we change the narrative there? Can we say that Milan missed out in, on the Champions League at Inter's expense? Because I think you can also say that and keep it as a safe narrative. Ah, yes, yeah, I like that better. Uh, Inter was fourth. True, exactly. Yeah, that's damn it, Empoli. Yeah, that's true. Goal difference is that goal difference. I knew I had too high expectations for Empoli coming into that game, and I got heartbroken. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, we were talking about this, but uh, off air. Um, that Atalanta, if they were to finish third twice, oh boy, now we're talking, like, that is how a top six develops. You know how Leicester in the Premier League was, like, basement, 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 and then they won, and ever since, it's been, like, if there's a team to break into the top six, it might be Leicester, might be Everton, might be Wolves kind of deal. Like, Leicester's in that conversation now because of what they were able to accomplish. Atalanta could pull that off. If they finished in third, like, they, the problem is that they continue to be a selling club. They didn't have to do it this season. But if they don't, if they finish in seventh, or if they finish in eighth, or anything like that, that that's where they will start running into, okay, well, great year, but... So I, I would love to see it, and um, I'm going to I'm going to spoil Pete's fourth pick real quick. Since he picked Atalanta third, he has AC Milan fourth. So that I would be okay with. Um, let's get on to fourth place. I have a feeling. Call it a hunch. I have a feeling. I know who we're going to pick. I'm going to start with Tim. Who do you have a fourth? Well, you've been pretty on point with those hunches today, so I think we can jump off and say uh, it's going to be Milan. I think this has got to be the year. Um, again, going back to our predictions last year, I think we were both right around. I think you may have said fifth, which which was a good call. I said fourth. I was really excited. Um, this is really the year. Um, this is the year they get to fourth. They get to the Champions League. Uh they brought in a coach who has a clear direction. He's a coach who's supported by the upper management. Everyone's on the same page from the top down. And as you said earlier, the uh, or as I believe Peter said earlier, the club went out and got players to fit Gianpaolo's system. And I think they brought in an instant impact player in Ben Asser, who is going to be, he's right now one of the most underappreciated signings in Syria, I think, this summer. He's going to be one of the most well-known midfielders in the league throughout this season. 
Um, you know, you bring in some depth players behind him with Krunich, Hernandez, Leao, Duarte. Um, if they can get that on Hel Correa move over the line, though, what a huge addition that is. You have him playing as that second striker with Piotek, and then the way Suso has been playing in that number 10 role. And I started to talk about it a little bit last week, but we've been seeing the Suso ball system throughout the last few years where you get the ball out to the right wing, and Suso's got his back to the back to the line and he's just he's moving in one direction most of the time he's now playing in that number 10 role and he's really embraced it under Gianpaolo and we've seen him move the ball in all different directions in this preseason he's been very menacing on the ball himself he's he's had that amazing goal um against Manchester United I believe it was um he's been you know the way he's been setting up Piatek who I think is going to have another big season just being able to get on the end of balls coming from Suso and Correa and Paqueta out of the midfield and even Kessier. Uh, there's, this is a team that is going to be a lot of fun to watch. And then when you get back Caldara in November and you have Bonaventura coming back and Belia is going to be healthy and can complement Benacer, there's a lot of reason to be optimistic that this is the year. Yeah, um, before I get into my take, I want to throw it to peter at giampaolo ball on twitter um i also have a hunch who you will pick fourth am i correct um yeah it wasn't much of a secret um <laughs> i will i will say that uh i actually did have a tougher time with this pick because my other pick was lazio because i i think they did everything right by keeping key players and by adding um oh what's his name the the right wing back um, I I'll I'll find his name. Oh, Lazzari, Lazzari. Thank you, thank you. Um, I think that's a perfect signing for uh, Inzaghi's side. But uh, I think Milan have made too many good moves to not be rewarded with fourth, uh, fifth at the worst. Um, I think a lot a lot of other teams. At, you know, Atlanta hasn't given up players, uh, which is good. They gave up Mancini, which is pretty big, but. They probably have another young player we haven't heard of before waiting in the ranks like they always do. Um, and then I think Roma has made some uh, questionable decisions, I'll say. Um, I've had them, I have them ranked a little lower, but regardless, I think Milan has made too many good moves. Um, Suso has done quite a bit more than expected. I think Correa is the perfect signing, maybe not for that amount of money um, because we do have you know, books to balance, and we have Silva to sell, I just hope. Um, I think that we're moving in the right direction. We have a coach who has a clear idea, a clear offensive possession-based system, um, and I think we're going to see some really beautiful stuff coming out of the San Siro this year, and I'm hoping it's not just from Inter. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with you guys. It's, it's AC Milan in fourth. Uh, last year, I picked him fifth because I was hesitant. This year, I feel a lot better. I feel more confident in this Champions League pick. So uh, I'm ready to be heartbroken. Um, I'm ready for it to not work out. Um, that is the pessimist view of we will end up having that weird string of results where we are like, oh, wow, this team is really clicking. And then we will have like three losses and a draw in four games. And then it's just going to all fall to pieces. Uh, that's the pessimist point. Optimist point, which we are a positivity podcast. Um, Rafael Liao, 
I'm excited about this kid. I really am. Uh, Frank Kessie's move is official, which is why when you look at transfer market, you will see Frank Kessie as an arrival because his two-year loan actually like came to fulfillment. Um, I think I'm going to still count Kessie as an arrival because they didn't sell him. They could have, and they haven't as of recording, knock on wood, um, they were that close to selling him to Wolves. And I said, do not sell. Please hang on to the dude. They did, and I think that's invaluable to the team. Theo Hernandez, when he's back from injury, I think will provide some much-needed depth at left back. Um, the Ricardo Rodriguez um, starting position is, for now, secure. Uh, I like Ricardo Rodriguez. I know that there are those who do not, and I understand. Um, Theo Hernandez behind him is going to be an improvement over Lackshalt, who I was a fan of at the beginning of the season, and then he fell off a cliff. Um, Theo Hernandez, good. Benacer, I agree with you, Tim. Massively, massively under the radar and a huge addition to this team. Duarte, I mean, Duarte is an improvement over Christian Zapata. Say it with me. We don't have to deal with Christian Zapata anymore. Um, Krunich, another good addition. I'm excited. Um, these guys, Giampaolo got his guys. And as soon as we get Angel Correa, Correa, geez, get that wrong every time. Angel Correa, I, I, I really think we're cooking here. We're not going to finish third. We're not going to finish second. We're not winning the league. But I am excited because I think we are real competitors and potentially favorites for fourth, especially, and this is where it gets a little weird, we don't have Europe. We don't have the Europa League. We can focus completely on two things. Get to the final of the Copa Italia and get in top four. Giampaolo got his guys. He has Maldini's approval. The players have Maldini's approval. Let's get this bread. Let's get fourth. Uh, some picks from the staff. Um, let me switch over here. Uh, Pete. Milan. Fourth. Alex. Napoli. Fourth, because he had Milan third. Uh, we have Wylan, also Milan. Andy, Milan. Robbie, Milan. Douglas, Milan. So a lot of optimism from the staff, which I really, really dig. So now those are our Champions League spots. We are unanimous on the pod. Juve, Inter, Napoli, Milan. And almost all of the staff agrees. We have a couple of shouts for Inter winning the league. We have a couple of shouts for... Uh, we, uh, sorry, let me correct that. We have one shout for Inter winning the league. We have a couple of shouts for Napoli in second. And uh, we have a shout for Milan and a shout for Atalanta in third. So now we're moving on to the Europa League spots. Uh, this is where it starts getting a little murkier. Um, so I'm going to pitch it to Tim first. Tim, number five, please. Number five is going to be Roma. And I think this is where, um, to go back to the tiers point, you have the three teams in the top tier. And then when I think you get to tier two, it's 2A, which is Milan by itself. And then 2B is Roma, Atalanta, Lazio. If you want to throw 
Torino and Sampdoria into a 2C sort of situation, I think you can. Um, Roma did okay this summer. They didn't really, as you said, they didn't really make a big splash, but brought in Spinazzola, brought in Diawara and Paolo Lopez. I, I, the Gianluca Mancini from Atalanta on loan, I can't believe Atalanta actually did that. I mean, they, there's an, there's an option to buy that would pocket them a lot of cash. Um, and then they also brought in Jordan Veratu, who was uh, sort of a set-piece specialist at Fiorentina last year. Uh, but they did lose quite a few big names. Obviously, Manolas is gone. Pellegrini's gone. And then you lose De Rossi, who's now amazingly at Boca Juniors. And El Shawari moved to China. Um, also a new coach. And, you know, what are they... This is a big test for Fonseca. You know, he's coming in from Shakhtar. It's a lot of pressure at Roma, um, not just within Italy, but obviously a big global fan base, especially over in uh, in our neck of the woods, especially me up in New England. Um, what can they do? I, I don't think they're good enough to get ahead of Milan. I think that, you know, right now those teams behind Milan are going to be battling for a Europa League spot. And I think it's going to be tighter between them than it is going to be between five and four. Um but I think Roma have enough to hold on to fifth. I don't see why not. Um, just I'm not as worried about them competing for the Champions League as I was last year. So I think this is where we'll finally differ because I have Lazio, as I uh, said before, and that's that's mainly because I don't. So I'm not familiar with the way Shakhtar played. Um, they were in a league that was very much dominated by them, and maybe one or two other teams. I'm not as familiar with it. Um, but I don't know how well his game is going to translate into Syria. Uh, like I said, it's tactically, it's a much tougher league to crack. Uh, I think it takes a real, uh, tactician to break this one open to really, uh, make a big mark. And they sold a lot of players. Uh, well, not, they sold a lot of key players. I, I thought El Sharo leaving was actually pretty, pretty brutal considering the season he had for him, the, uh, the impact he was able to make. Manolas obviously hurts. Uh, I don't think Mancini is... I think Mancini is a good replacement. He's a good long-term investment. I don't think he's going to step in and do the job Manolas did. Um, I know Manolas has some injury concerns, so perhaps that's where he's going to you know, have a leg up. Uh, just with last year's, you know, if they can keep Sergei, Sergei Malinkovic-Savage, which I think they will, um, I think Immobile could have a bounce-back year with the emergence of uh, the Correa I did want as our second striker. Um, who who did an unfortunate doing to Atalanta in the Copa Italia? Um, I you know I think he's gonna have a real big year. I think he's gonna link up well with Immobile. I think Malinkovic Savage will be fine, and they always tend to have, uh, you know, players who you might not be necessarily paying attention to that have that make a lot of impact plays. Uh, so I think that they're gonna lock down fifth. I don't think it's gonna be a, by a wide margin of any. I think someone, you know, they could very well be a, you know, tiebreaker on, I think it's, I think the first one's head to head or something like that. I think they could very well have that situation for them. Yeah. Um, as, as the tiebreaker, I'm going to go with Lazio on this one. I have Lazio fifth. I, I just think Roma, it, it's weird because I agree with the whole tier thing, right? So I, I, I see it just a tad differently. I have Juve in a tier of its own. I have tier two as Inter and Napoli. I have tier three 
as Milan and Lazio and Roma uh, and Atalanta, and then you go down the list. Uh, Because I think Juve is in a league of its own for now, as we talked about earlier. Um, I think Lazio and Roma are right there with each other. I think Milan has a step ahead. Um, But in terms of just looking at the summer, looking at who they have, looking at who they lost, and looking at just what they're made of, I would take Lazio over Roma. I would take Inzaghi over Fonseca. I would take Immobile over Dzeko. Uh, I would take the Lazio midfield over the Roma midfield. I would take Inzaghi's tactics that he brought last season over what Fonseca has to do to recover a Roma that was defensively in shambles last season, especially at the beginning of the season, under Di Francesco. I just have more confidence in Lazio. That's why I'm going with them as fifth. My sixth is Roma. I think they've lost, frankly, just some big big pieces. Uh, I, I Jimmy Pallotta has got to be um, frustrated. Um, I, I don't know. You know, Spinazzola in Pellegrini out was like that was a win for Juve because they weren't using Spinazzola and they like Pellegrini better. So they gave Spinazzola and Cash for Pellegrini. So Roma is supposed to be like happy with having just upgraded Juve's backup left back because they weren't using Spinazzola. And Juve doesn't tend to give up on players until there's a reason. Name me the last player that Juve gave up on that was then good at his next job. It's hard. It's tough. It really, really rang a blank. Thought it was going to be Higuain? Nope. Thought it was going to be Caldara? Injured. Three times. It's just very... Anyway... Not to get on a whole thing about that. I don't want to get back on that soapbox. I just think that Lazio... I I, I agree it's going to be tight. I have Lazio fifth. Uh, I just think they're a better team. And Roma, I just feel like, took more steps back than Lazio did. I think Lazio basically stayed put. I mean, I think they're basically the same team. Roma, I think they took a couple steps back. I think they have some work to do. I have them sixth. So, uh, Peter, how about you for sixth? Do you also have Roma? Um, I don't, actually. Uh, I have Adelanta Ooh. here. Uh, I do think Gasparini is a, a true patron of the game in the Serie A. Um, I think even though that Champions League is going to weigh on them pretty heavily, and they're not, they're not the most, you know, in depth side, in terms like yeah, as depthful side, if I don't think that's a word, but they don't have a lot of depth in terms of uh, quality that is very used to the Serie A. You know, that's played a lot of minutes, that has made a large impact, um, and especially in in larger games. You know, they did show out in the big games last year, but that was mainly uh, your starters because they were really gunning for it. They didn't really have um, 
Europa to worry about anymore since they've been knocked out. Uh, so I, I don't think that they're going to do any worse than sixth. Um, I think Fonseca is going to struggle. Uh, I think Gasparini is going to, you know, take advantage of that. And I think he's going to lock himself at least a Europa League spot. So spot six, man, you guys are doing a really good job of convincing me against Roma. Uh, I'm going to be really curious to see what happens in these next few weeks because the transfer window closes the day before the season starts. And apparently they are trying to get Alexis Sanchez, which would be a weird one, but maybe there's a revival. They're looking to bring in Lovren also, or a center back, I believe. Um, so they, they, they could improve, but man, I, I think between them and Lazio, who I do have in sixth, I think it's a matter of a point or two. It probably comes down to a derby in the Olympico. Um, well, as, as you guys have said, they didn't really change much. I, I did have written down that I really do like Lazari from Spall. Um, I think that's a really good signing. Um, and as Peter said, the, you know, they have players who, um, you don't really pay as much attention to outside of, the Immobiles and Milinkovic Savage and Correa. I'm a really big fan of Felipe Caicedo. I think he provides so much energy going through, uh, going onto the counterattack, going through the midfield. He he's really electric for them, and I think he's a lot of fun to watch. Um, it, it's very close between the two, and it's very close between them and Atalanta as well. Um, I just I have Atalanta a step below. Um, I, I think, look, this year will be a big improvement for Lazio because they did finish eighth last year. And so for them to get back into the top six, I think would be a really, really good season for them. And I think between fifth and sixth, it's really close. I just think, you know, maybe they trip up and Roma will just stay a little bit ahead of them. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a good point. I think I, I, I really agree that it's going to be really, really tight, and I I do think it's a difference of a point or two. I, I think one of those uh, derbies comes into play uh, very much. Um, so let's crank out our seventh. Um, I'll I'll just say my seventh is Atalanta. I'm not trying to knock them. Uh, I just think they have a lot on their plate. Champions League is going to be a lot. Um, it depends on how many eggs they put in it. Uh, they're, they're it's it's unmatched in their history for them to have the Champions League in front of them like this. Three competitions is a lot. Um, just look at what it does to some of these teams who get it that first time. Leicester is a good example, and then it it's it's really really hard. I'm not sure if they have the depth. Um, I would love to see them do well. Um, but I, I don't think they have the squad, that like the starting squad, or the depth to do Champions League and top six in Serie A. I have them seventh. So, Tim, how about you for seventh? You also have Atalanta, correct? Yeah, I also have Atalanta. And, you know, it is interesting. This is going to be such an amazing season for them just on the basis of them playing in the Champions League. They do have the advantage of having been in the Europa League the last couple of years, made it to the round of 32 two seasons ago, got knocked down in the playoff round the year before or this past year. So 
they do have a little bit of familiarity, but the Champions League is a much different beast. They are going to be paired up. They're probably going to be in pot four. I believe that's already confirmed. So they are going to be in with a juggernaut, and that's going to be a really big challenge for them. I actually, They do have two of my favorite signings from the summer, I do want to say. Luis Muriel is an outstanding signing. Man, what a second half of the year he had when he went to Fiorentina. Um, and then... Also, we were talking about them losing Gianluca Mancini, which I really wish they did still have their promising young center back. But if you're going into Europe and you need to hold the team together, you need to have a veteran in the back who can say, we've got this, guys. And they went out and got Martin Skirtle. And I, I, I just think that's a lot of fun, personally. I, I, I just really enjoy that one. But I think they're gonna. I think that it's gonna be really tough for them to compete on three fronts, and they are gonna be really competitive in Coppa Italia again. They're gonna be really competitive in the league. I don't think there's much difference between them and the other teams that are gonna be chasing top four. I just think that they're gonna, like we said before, they don't necessarily have the depth to compete over the course of the season when they're competing on three fronts. They've got a lot of solid players. Love Pasolic, obviously, near and dear to Milan Hearts. Duvan Zapata is one of the best scorers in this league. Um, they've got some other really, really good players. They have an amazing coach, but I just think they're going to be outside that top six. And Peter, I'll throw it to you, your seventh place team in Syria. So I have Roma, but I'd also like to say that I do believe Roma still qualifies for Europe European spot because I believe the Coppa Italia uh, final will be occupied by one of the six in front of them, mm. or the I'm sorry, two of the six in front of them, um, yep. barring Torino having a a run of form that is unmatched in that in that cup. I still think Roma finds their way into Europe via that route. Um, like I said, uh, you know Roma hasn't. It's not that they've had tons of bad things happen to them. It's that they've just they haven't improved as much as other squads. I think in key areas, I think they've lost more than they've gained, uh, which uh, might have just been a little bit contradictory. Um, but you know, overall, I don't think they'll miss by much. I think you know another one that could be a tiebreaker, another one that could come down to head to head. Um, you know, another you know one head scratching moment where they should have scored and they didn't could could be really what does it for him. I really like that Copa Italia shout. That's a really good point. I think it is going to be two of those six in front of them that get to the final, and that's going to open the door for seventh place to be a European spot. Yeah, that's a really good shout. It's it's one of those factors that we always forget, right? And then it comes up, you know, once we get to semifinal, like, oh, yeah, by the way, if this person, you know, gets here, uh, then seventh place gets in. So... Uh, you know, hopefully we're talking about Inter being in seventh place <laughs> and um, someone can just bomb out and uh, keep them out of Europe. I don't know. I'm a dreamer. It makes me realize, too, that I think that means that we're all in agreement that there are seven teams that could go to Europe from Syria this season. And just really quickly to go back to a point that we had um, earlier in the show about a team like Atalanta making it so much harder for these other big teams to go into the Champions League and to qualify for Europe. It really harkens back to right around the turn of the decade when uh, right before Juve's run of dominance, when you know Milan and Inter and Juventus were all not only in the Champions League but competing in the Champions League. 
But then you would have Fiorentina and Udinese and other clubs, Roma, Lazio, all right behind them competing to qualify for one spot in the Champions League. And it would it was a heavy rotation, Fiorentina making it into the knockout rounds, Udinese turning heads by shocking teams in the playoff round. I, we're st- I feel like we're starting to get back to that almost. I mean, they're, with Atalanta, I think you're starting to see the revival of a really competitive Serie A. Not, maybe not necessarily at the top yet. That's probably still another year off. But below them, the battles for some of these key positions are more competitive than they've been in nearly a decade. And I think that's a really exciting thing for the league. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's a great point. I think there's a lot to be excited about, especially when you start having people uh, or excuse me, when you start having teams uh, competing for these spots. And I mean, even just to get to seventh, you know, you have competition from teams like Torino, Sampdoria, Sassuolo even. So I think it's going to be really interesting to watch. So now that we've given our top six and our plus one, your bottom three uh, it doesn't have to be in a particular order. If you would like to give it in a particular order, you may. Um, but your bottom three to get relegated, uh, of course, last season, um, our boy Vincenzo Montella almost got Fiorentina relegated. So we'll see if he can pull it off successfully this season. Uh, Tim, I'll go to you first. Who do you have dropping out of Serie A this season? I am going to go with... I'm going to go with Spall, Verona, and Lecce. I, I think we've seen there's usually at least one team that survives when they come up. I'm going to give the shout to Brescia. Uh, Lecce is going to have a really tough go of it. Sort of a, I feel like they'll probably be this year's Benevento or Pescara. Um, Verona, you know, they're always up and down. It, it is what it is. And Spall have really enjoyed a good run in Serie A the last few years, but I don't know. They're they're the Brighton of our lives this year, I think. Which also, apparently, after this past weekend, maybe I need to reconsider that. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, maybe maybe there'll be a shock. Um, Pete, I'll throw it to you first. Who do you have dropping out? Right. So I have uh, Parma because I haven't seen them do really much to improve. Uh, I think when you're one of those mid-table sides, you saw Cagliari. You saw Genoa, you saw Sassuolo make moves that were very positive. Um, I really didn't see Palmer make a ton of those moves. Um, I also have uh, Hellas Verona going back down. I don't really think they're going to last. I didn't think they were one of the better uh, sides that came up from that Serie B table. I think they uh, were dealt a good hand, uh, if you will. And I'm going to do a real hot take here and say that uh, I can't imagine it happens. But if Montella remains past December, I'm going to keep Fiorentina down there. Wow. Wow. But, but I don't imagine that, that you know, new boy Rocco Camiso is going to let Montella stay for that long. Um, so as much as I'd like to say that, I think they're going to be smart enough to get rid of him before that happens. And I think that uh, as a result, Lecce is going to go back down. Wow. I, I just got to say really quick, Patrick, we, we brought this podcast back last week and we've gone two plus hours of record without mentioning Rocco Camiso. I know it's a Milan podcast, but man, I feel like that's something we needed to talk about. That's wow. It's huge. Yeah. I, I think he, he will get his, Time in the limelight, as you might say. 
Um, I think he, it, I think change will come to Fiorentina and it will be because of Rocco Camiso. I think he will do a great job there, but I think they will have a rough season. I don't have them going down. Um, I have Hellas Verona going down. I have Lecce going down and hate to do it. I think Brescia is also going to go down. I know that's a super like cold, like, oh, well, the promoted teams are just going to go back down. But I, I just don't, I just, I, I don't see a whole lot uh, that convinces me that these three are going to stay. I think Hellas Verona is done. Uh, I don't think Lecce has it. I think Brescia is going to be going back and forth. I think they end up going back down. Um, and I think they are going to be fighting with Spall uh, as the ones who... I, th- I think Spall is going to be this year's Genoa, who just barely miss it. Um, so a couple shouts from our staff at the AC Milan offside. Uh, I want to give them their chance at uh, fifth, five, six, seven. Uh, so Robbie, five, six, seven, and bottom three. He has Roma, Adelanta, Lazio, Verona, Parma, Lecce. Andy has Adelanta, Lazio, Roma, Parma, Verona, Lecce. Um, actually, he corrected himself: Brescia, Verona, Lecce, um, instead of Parma. Uh, Wailan has. Um, Roma, Atalanta, Lazio, Parma, Lecce, Hellas, Verona. Uh, so a lot of shots for Parma going on here. Um, and a lot of Hellas, Verona, and a lot of Lecce going back down. Lecce, Parma, Verona going down for Alex with Atalanta, Roma, and Fiorentina rounding out his top seven. And then Pete has Inter, my man, Roma, Sampdoria, and then he has Spal, Lecce, and Cagliari finishing last in the league, which I think is also very interesting. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, a couple awards to go over before we wrap it up. And of course, uh, thank you, Peter, uh, for joining us. We really, really appreciate your time. And before we wrap everything up, want to get a couple more things in. Um, top scorer, player of the season, Syria. Manager of the season, Syria. So, I'll give it to Pete first. What do you got? That's tough. So I really don't want to say Ronaldo because I'm a big, big Messi guy. Uh, though I enjoy watching both play, I am going to say Ronaldo because it's going to be really hard to watch Juventus not only win Serie A again, but to do it by playing a game you actually want to watch them play because it's going to be like an attractive style of play. And I think Ronaldo is going to be one of the biggest beneficiaries of that. Um, I toyed with Lukaku for a little while because, as you know, as poor as it is as his record is against the top sides, the Serie A, especially with these you know these bottom level sides, I could see him burying quite a few goals given Conte's system. Um, I think he's a very good fit to score eighteen plus goals in that system. Um, but I, I do think Ronaldo is going to come out uh, on top there. Uh, my MVP, I would give it to, and that's the hardest one. Um, I think I don't want that to follow Ronaldo too, but I'm afraid that he's going to take both of them uh, with him. I I I don't really see uh, another way where it goes. 
uh, other than him taking both the top score and MVP. And uh, manager, of the, manager of the year, I might as well stick with my Juve uh, predictions. Actually, I feel like, never mind, I feel like Inter getting to second is a more, you know, admirable thing than Juve getting first again. So I think Conte could deserve that just because he he would make a big the biggest stride um, among all teams competing for something in Syria. And Tim, I'll throw it to you. So we have double Ronaldo and Conte for his picks for top scorer, MVP, manager of the year. How about you, Tim? So I'm going to go, I was, the Capo Cannon year is a really tough one um, this year. I'm going to give it to Lukaku. I really think he finds himself under under Conte. I think he's in a system that's really going to benefit him uh, being a target man, um, having guys like Lautaro and um, Politano around him to get him the ball and just do what he does best. He's, he's such a physical presence. I think a big physical number nine like him can find a lot of success in Syria. And I think... You know, I think he's just struggled at Man United the last few years. I think he was a victim of Jose Mourinho and the team that was being built around him. So I'm I'm gonna back him. I think Ronaldo's gonna be part of a team that spreads the wealth around a little bit. Um, he's still gonna get he's still gonna get his 18 to 20. Um, and, you know, I wanted to give it to Piatek, but um, I don't know. I think Lukaku just nips them both. But I am gonna say Ronaldo Player of the Season again. Um, I, I think they're gonna, they're gonna cruise to the title and he's going to be the focal point of that team. He's going to do everything. Um, and he's the star of the show. He's going to get his accolades for that. Um, coach of the season. I'm in the same boat as Peter. I really don't like when a team, when a coach wins coach of the year, just because his team won the title. Kind of like with Tata Martino last year in MLS. I was really, really vocal about this. Um, look, he had clearly the best team um, by a mile, and they they did exactly what they were supposed to do. I don't think that's necessarily a great coaching job. He's a good coach, but I think we need to look more at a team's actual improvement, which is why I'm going Antonio Conte. Uh, because I also think that getting to second for Inter is a bigger achievement than Juventus winning the title. And maybe it depends on how close they make it against Juventus, but I, I think he's gonna I think he will probably end up being the best choice uh for coach of the year come season's end. Yeah. Um honestly it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to disagree. So for top scorer, I really wanted to pick Piontek to be a homer. I can't do it. Um, I am nervous about Lukaku's injury history. For that reason, I am going with Ronaldo. Um, I was going to go Lukaku, but if he has injury history, which he does, um, I, I, I think Ronaldo, I know it sounds like a cop-out. I know it sounds like a safe pick, and that's because it is. Um, I think Ronaldo has listened to an entire summer of people saying, well, you know, he really did have a down season last season. And I think he's going to be mad. 
And I think he and Juve, as much as they can, will have a chip on their shoulder. And I think they're going to do a lot with that. I think they're going to walk the league. Um, I think it'll, it, it's not going to be a complete shellacking. But I think they're going to comfortably win the league. Um, I said seven points. I think it's going to be that. But I, I, I think when they clinch it, it will be further. Um, I also have Ronaldo player of the season. It's just hard not to have him as player of the season. Again, I'd love to pick someone like Benacer or Suso. I just, I just don't see it or, you know, I mean, it's not going to be sensey, but I can see him performing at a very high level. Um, and then I end up just kind of falling back to Juve for that MVP, like player of the season kind of thing. Uh, it's just hard not to say it's going to be Cristiano. Um, manager, uh, I had three options. It was either sorry for leading the team in his first year to win the league, uh, which is going to happen. Uh, there's Conte in his first year bringing Inter into second. Or there's Giampaolo uh, doing what he does with an AC Milan side that finished fifth and bringing them into best of the rest category. Uh, you know, we were talking those tiers, the best of the rest. That would be more of an actively difficult coaching job. I'm making the case for Giampaolo for anyone that wanted to pick him. Unfortunately, he's not my pick. I'm also going Antonio Conte for the reasons that you guys mentioned. So it's I know that's a little... A little bit of a broken record here, but I, I I do think he is that good of an appointment. I think Sari got a very good team. Um, Antonio Conte built a very good team. I think he's going to manage that team, and I think he's going to push Juve um, definitely better than they were last year. Um, and that that so I have a double Ronaldo and Conte. Um, you know, a little anticlimactic, but anyway. Um, so to recap, uh, and again, Peter, thank you so much for joining us. I really, really appreciate your time. That was fantastic. And we hope to have you on the podcast again. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you, man. Of course. Uh, and if I, if I could just ask you guys one quick question before we wrap up. If you could give me one hot take. For uh, for your Milan season going like you know for this particular season, I'd love to hear it. Ooh, putting us on the spot here. Like I'll give mine real quick, and it's that by the end of the year, Rafael Leao is starting at one of the two striker positions. Ooh. <sighs> hmm. I like you. Want to go first so I can think? <laughs> I am working on. See, I, I have the roster in front of me. I'm trying to see. What? You know what? Okay, I, I think I might I might have one. I dig this. See this? This is what you get when you get a really good guest on the podcast. This is really this is some good stuff. Um. All right. Um. I have. All right. I I think I'll do this. Um. I got two. One. Caldara will return to be a starter and he will be a rock there is going to be no drop off when Caldara comes back and he will form 
the best young partnership in the country in defense with Alessio Romagnoli. Number two, player of the season, Benacer. Book it. I think he's that important. I think he's that crucial to Giampaolo Ball. To, at Giampaolo Ball on Twitter. Um, I think he's that important. I think he's that good. Uh, I think the system works for him. I think it's all there. And I think he is the breakout player of the season. It's hard, you know, it's hard to say him over like Romagnoli, right? Because Romagnoli is the best player on the team. I think Benacer has that breakout player of the season, as in breakout player of the season in Syria. So he's not he's not Milan's man of the season. I think that's Romagnoli. But he is breakout player of the season in Syria. Book I like that. I love it. Uh, okay, that means it's my turn, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Okay. I've been thinking about this one. I agree with everything you just said. Mine is going to be that Lucas Paqueta is so important to Milan this season, as we saw glimpses of last year, that by season's end, not only is he integral to the success of Milan, he is an integral part of the Brazilian national team setup. Hey, I like this. I dig this. That's a good one. I like That's it a, a really lot. See, I can see Paqueta being the, num- the number 10, quote-unquote. I put that in quotes because of a guy's, uh, of a pretty significant guy who rhymes with um, Glamar. Um, but I, I think he, yeah, no, I can get behind that. Um, see, I again, this is what you get when you get really good guests on the podcast. You've set a high bar. Now, Peter, I, I appreciate that. Peter, <laughs> the other writers are on notice. Yeah, yeah, we're we're gonna let the staff know too um, that hey, you got to bring your A game when you come on the podcast. Peter, again, really appreciate your time at Jam Palo Ball on Twitter. Peter Coyley, you can find his work uh, acmilan.offside.com. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it, man. Ed, thank you guys. Really appreciate it. Always happy to be here. Great stuff. Yeah. At- Always welcome back. Really appreciate it. And that's going to do it for us on this episode of The Devil Wears Rossonero, the official podcast of the AC Milan Offside. I'm Patrick. That's Tim. Tim, thank you so much again. Really appreciate it. This was fantastic. Always a pleasure, my friend. And thank you to everyone who wants us to be doing this once a week, once a month. We will see you next week. Yeah, thank you all for listening. As always, follow me on Twitter at Stoll underscore P. You can follow Peter, our wonderful guest, at Giampaolo Ball on Twitter. Definitely a top-tier handle. You should follow him, if not just for that. And you can follow the site, the AC Milan Offside, at SBN Rossonera. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed our Serie A season preview. We're not that far away from the season coming back. We are as excited as you are. We'll be back next week to look specifically at AC Milan as they go into their 2019-2020 campaign. So, again, I'm Patrick for Tim, for Peter, and for the staff at the AC Milan Offside. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Let's get this bread.